This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. The only requirement for the next two hours is to have some fun. We got the quarterback, Jake Heaps, to my left. Seahawks insider, Stacey Ross, to my right. Hello. I'm Curtis Rogers. We got a full house here. On, on Seattle it feels like it never happens. I know. This the is... band is back together. Jake, I'm actually really upset, and I'm glad that you bring this up, because in our um, text thread with the three of us that has since been retitled, Seattle Sports at Night, all caps, no dads allowed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Very specific shot at somebody. Uh, I don't know who, but... You, you said, can't wait to get the squad back together, but I distinctly remember you saying... So excited for the squad in a morning show email when you were uh-oh, filling in a while ago. Uh-oh. So which squad? Who's, Who's squad? the squad? Who you claiming? Who's the squad, Jake? <laughs> Who you claiming? Is it us? You can't. Both of them can't be well, your squad. No, I didn't say they were the squad. Excited to join their squad. For Got the it. Day. Okay. This well, that better be what it is. This is my squad. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, come on. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Stacey. I was really upset when I saw that. Stacy brought that up. Thank uh, you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I've been ruminating on it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, normally we we bash Jake behind his back when he's not here, but at least we got to do it to his face this time. It feels good to actually have it be thrown at me instead of behind me. There we go. There we go. No, I mean, we know you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I just just don't text it like On the podcast page. You can check 710sports.com, click on On Demand. We're there. I just don't text in on the Coors Light text line. No, I don't don't either. Who does that? Yeah, who would ever do such a thing? Who would ever compliment Stacey's hair saying that it looks... Expensive yeah. and <laughs> a somewhat a very observant listener that was watching our and you stream even there on seven ten sports dot com. Yeah, it was well, weird. they probably just have a good memory of when I'm in here. I look great. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, that's a compliment. I'm very flattered. I think so. <laughs> Coming up in this hour, Pete Carroll. He spoke to the media at Seahawks practice today. What did he have to say? Any good news with DK Metcalf, LJ Collier, Geno Smith? We get into that coming up about a half hour from now, but uh, as we do each and every night, we start off by looking at what is on the timeline and the Mariners uh, today with a tough, tough loss going for the series sweep of the Rays. They took the lead in the ninth inning on a Malik Smith triple, Yep, but then Matt McGill couldn't find home plate. Rays win it 7-6. Heartbreaker. Absolute heartbreaker. Uh, the thing is, is that you have to love the way the Mariners are playing. I know that it's not necessarily good news that this team is winning, and it's funny to say that, but in currently what they're trying to do in this rebuilding right. process, they want to be as bad as possible. However, the good thing is that you're seeing Kyle Seeger tear the cover off the ball right now. Uh, you're watching some guys really step up, and, and it's, it's fun to see a guy like Jake Fraley make his Major League debut. He's been my guy out of all the prospects so far. I don't know why I've been drawn to Jake Fraley, but he was my guy in the minor leagues. And uh, Is it the beard? It might be the, the beard. The, the beard and the flow. The fact that he's a lefty, I think all I mean, of that kind of just comes together for him. Share a first name with him. Yeah. It, I think Jake, that's what it also, is. Also, that's yeah. probably what it is, um, thinking about that. But he made an incredible diving catch, and nice to see some really good defense being played out there in center Nearly field. had a double in, I think it was the third inning, but uh, Guillermo Heredia robbed him at the wall. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would have been a heck of a first major league hit, but uh, I think it was a good debut for him overall. You go up against a really tough pitcher in Charlie Morton, and he didn't look like a fool. He didn't look completely lost up at the dish. And then, like you mentioned, Jake, the diving catch he made, 
in uh, the game today. Not a bad start to his Major League career. Some other big news in Seattle today. XFL Seattle, the nameless team for uh, however long they've been in our thoughts. Well, now they've got a name. It's the Seattle Dragons. I'm not mad at it. I know you're not mad at it. Can I tell you my first reaction? Yeah. First reaction when I heard, when I saw, when I looked on Twitter and social media, the name, and it was Dragons. It's like, who let Stacy be a part of the committee? Who let her on the committee? There was obviously they were going to be the dragons if Stacy Ross is on the committee, and and then I find the very next thing, literally, I see I see the the name reveal, then I see Stacy Ross coming in the studio with with the dragon costume. One of the on. first times that me and Jake ever really spoke for an extended period of time, <laughs> you were trying to show me highlights of who was it, a BYU basketball player? Yeah, Jimmer. Jimmer. Yep. Oh, okay. So I mean, are there any other BYU basketball? That's a great players? question. So you were like, no, 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 pull up YouTube. I'll show you this. And I pull up YouTube, and I start to type it in, but you know how it has your history, and it was all Game of Thrones Suge- theory Suggested videos. videos. <laughs> Not just Game of Thrones videos, but no. like theories. Yes. No, yes. I was in deep, man. I was in the woods. And I was like, I've just basically spoken to this person for the first time, but we got to know each other pretty well. That is a great way to like know somebody right, right off the bat is like their Google history. I think that's a really good way to figure out like who you're dealing with here. Uh, but yeah, Seattle Dragons, one of eight teams to get their their names coming up at eight fifteen tonight. We're gonna take a look at some of these team names, including some of the narrations that came with ah, these teams, and okay. got it, a little wild. They were pretty serious, yeah, very it, serious. It did, but uh, that's coming up around eight fifteen tonight. Also, the Seahawks they practiced earlier today. Pete Carroll given a few injury updates. We'll get into those coming up in this hour as we're just, what, a few days away now from the Seahawks' third preseason game. A game in which, if you were paying attention to Twitter today, you saw some interesting news about who's going to be on the radio call for that one. Mm -hmm. Steve Rabel, obviously, play-by-play. The legend. You know who's doing color color analyst that game? I do, yes. Joe McHale. Yeah. Former uh, star of Community, Ease the Soup. Uh, Also on Almost Live here in Seattle for, for a few years. Seattle legend, former Husky football player, too. Yeah. Husky Joel, football star. It's, it's going to be pretty he fun. He was a walk-on. I think he was a legend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty sure he was a walk-on. Yeah, he was. Uh, it's going to be pretty fun to hear that hear that call and hear how he does in a broadcast. I, I To my knowledge, this isn't something that he's done. Uh, be Play the analyst role. And so, for the first time at, on an NFL level, it be really cool to see how he handles that and what that, what that sounds like. I'm excited for it. I mean, he's got a very dry sense of humor, and his jokes... They they go they either go right over your head because they're that sly and they're that sneaky, mm-hmm. or they bam they land. And what I want is for Joel McHale to make a joke that Steve Vrabel laughs at, and then Steve Vrabel tries to make a call and can't push through the laugh, and it's just you know what I mean. Like he can't even get it out because he's laughing. That's the kind of audio that I want from this game on Saturday. Do you think Wyman is is worried that Joel McHale is coming for his turf? Uh, here's the thing. I know Joe McHale is actually kind of a big guy. He's in good shape, but uh, I really not worried. And, I thought you were going I would for say like that Joe fighting. McHale. Jo- well, yeah, Joe McHale. He should be worried about taking another another game from Dave Wyman. Right. I think Dave That's Wyman what I'm measures himself up against people, not in the way that like normal people do. In like, oh, they got a nice haircut. I wish I had that haircut. He Dave did- Wyman looks at him and is like, I could beat them in a 
fight. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally beat them in a fight. Absolutely. Yes, I yeah. think I think so too. Like, can Joel McHale uh, tackle a cougar, a wild cougar? I don't think so. Nope. I mean, I don't know, right? Who am I to say? We haven't seen it. Who knows? Uh, some. I think this is good news when it comes to Pac-12 football, which doesn't happen a whole lot. But the Pac-12 will not schedule football kickoff times at 9 a.m. during the 2019 season. It's still in consideration for 2020. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, who does a great job covering the conference, he had that news today. But the Pac-12 will not schedule kickoff times at 9 a.m. during the 2019 season. Jake, when you were playing, how hard would it have been to get up for a 9 a.m. kickoff? It would have been absolutely brutal, Curtis. I played. I have played in 11 a games, 11 a.m. games, and those were even harder. When do you have to get up? Like if you have a, if well, you hypothetically if, had a 9 a.m. start. Yeah, if you have a 9 a.m. start, you're getting up by five o'clock easily. <gasps> yeah, easily. <laughs> Both breakfast, breakfast, breakfast meetings. Walk through, like going through your pregame routine. I mean, yeah, it's it's an early, early oh, wake up. Gosh, that's just that's brutal. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, we get into the whole student athlete debate with that, but I'm like, 5 a.m. Think of it being like around finals or something. Yeah, and think about. Uh, I don't think know about what the, the world teams, looks like at 5 a.m. Think about the teams in the Mountain Time Zone, Utah, Colorado. Right. I mean, if they got to come west. That's an hour plus. Yeah. 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 I, to me, this is one of those things that I get the thought process. You're trying to pander to the East Coast bias. Right. Uh, and really trying to make sure your games are being viewed by everybody. But at the same time, look, you're not going to change that much. I mean, people people from the East Coast, just they simply do not give the West Coast as much weight as they deserve or, or until the Pac-12 actually makes them uh, think differently about themselves as a conference. They're not going to think twice about it. So whether you change the time zone or not is irrelevant. It's about the strength of the Pac-12 and are they able to compete against the big dogs. Just finally some good news of Pac-12 football. And then uh, to round out tonight's timeline, Hunter Strickland, barely a Mariner. I think he pitched in, what, three, four games this season? Yeah, then got hurt. Yeah, he's known as being kind of a, a weirdo in baseball, maybe even a hothead. He got into a fight with Bryce Harper. Well, yesterday, sort of a freak injury in the Washington Nationals clubhouse. He ended up breaking his nose, taking a barbell to the face. This is my worst fear when I hold my phone over my face. You know what I mean? I wonder if it was one of those situations. Clanging and banging and throwing iron around. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's usually how I work out. I just, I'm checking Twitter. Yeah. Lifting weights with one hand. And sometimes you just, you aren't thinking. (laughs) And you drop them on your face. Well, it's it's funny because I, as silly as this sounds, it also is one of those things where I've related to this. Not where I've broken my nose, but I've I've gotten myself in the chin pretty good doing Ooh. like a like a hang clean, like just doing a little too much weight and yeah. applying Stacey a little too much totally force. No, we totally is. get it. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. sorry, not too much weight, but too less of weight and going too hard with it and just putting the barbell right up to your chin way too fast, like. Got to make sure you got some good weight before you're really trying to throw that thing up. Totally. No, I lifted a I lifted a twenty pounder the other day. I, I definitely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I thought I pulled something, but you just got to power through it. We. That's why we call you the Hunter Strickland of Seattle Sports. Tonight, right? <laughs> that's exactly Get, why. getting in fights and just just throwing weight around. <laughs> that's what Stacy Ross does. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports Tonight, Pete Carroll. He spoke to the media at Seahawks practice today. What did he have to say? We'll take a listen next here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.
You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to Seattle Sports Tonight via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Accurate dealers. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, Stacy Rost with you here on this Wednesday night. Pete Carroll spoke speaking to the media following today's practice. What did he have to say about DK Metcalf's status following his operation? What about LJ Collier? Any updates on him? Let's hear from the Seahawks head coach. Um, back at it. Uh, we're getting into the second half of preseason to us. It's really, really important that we keep making progress. I really like the way the uh, first group played on both sides of the ball last week. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can build on that this week. Um, we won't be talking about play times. You'll be asking, but we won't be talking about play times, but we'll uh, – I'm expecting everybody to play in this game and, and uh, looking forward to it. Um, we've got a chance to get a couple guys healthy, too, coming back to us, which is good. Um, J.D. McKissick and, and, and C.J. Prosize coming back out. Got good work today and looked really good on the practice field. So, um, And uh, we'll see uh, Lano Hill will also get a chance to play in this game which for, for the first time. So that's a good deal. So a lot of good things. We're in the middle of it all and really working on our game, trying to get the fundamentals and the basics together as we get our, our last two weeks in order and, and uh, get ready for the opener. What's, what's the update on DK and the surgery? And- he, he had, it was a minimal surgery uh, and minimal findings. Um, so we have you know high expectations. We'll go week to week with it and see how he does. And, uh, and we, we really don't have any concern that he won't get back soon. So uh, we're, we're excited that we got it done. It was the kind of deal we could have put off and waited, but we thought we'd use the time frame that we had available, and, and hopefully it'll work out just right for us. Do you have any more we're going to go week to week and just see what happens. And uh, I, I don't think it's – there's no indications it's going to be a long return. It's going, to, it's going to be a shorter return than long. So we'll see how we can do with this and, and uh, keep our fingers crossed for him. How about uh, Marquise Blair? Yeah, he, uh, he, he had uh, back spasms in the game and um, just didn't quite make it back today. He tried and, and wasn't able to go. So it, that's a day-to-day thing. Pete, I just asked Puna if he played – running back in high school, and he said yes. Yes, he did. I asked him if you asked him to play fullback. I was going like, what do you do? And he said yes. Is that anything that you'd ever consider using him in a role like that? I would never divulge that kind of insight, you know. No. But I know I've shown his highlights to the players before. And he didn't run. He wasn't a scat back. Okay, he was not a scat back, in case you were wondering. He kind of ran over whatever was in front of him. And I was pretty good at it, too. So. How has uh, Keenan Reynolds looked so far? Um, he's been playing really solid. He knows every position. He can do everything uh, for us. He's really a, a utility guy that you know is valuable in that regard. And, and uh, he's done nothing but hard work and good stuff since he's been there. He's been a great worker. What do you know about what he does in the Navy? His job in the Navy. Little. I know very little. I know they scored a ton of touchdowns, and uh, they love him for it. And uh, he, he's the most productive touchdown maker in the history of college football. And and uh, the Navy's proud, darn proud of him. I'm sure his other work is really good too, but I don't know about it. Shaquem Griffin, any more on him? No, uh, just he hasn't responded yet. He had a pretty good day yesterday, and it wasn't quite as good this morning. So it's just he's, he's got a, a, a bruised knee that he's just not quite back from yet. You go, Amadi. The play he made on the play the other day. How, yeah. I guess how sort of perfect was that? It was, was a perfect play. It really was. The timing of it, the the, the form tackle, the shoulder hit exactly. You know, a great hawk tackle in, in, in that setting where he showed thousands of kids what it looks like to tackle somebody in the open field. Um, 
but he, he's he's just done something every time he's been out on the field. So he's been a really exciting uh, player for us. And, uh, and Shooty knocked the ball out today. You know, he got he got his first punch out today. So um, he's done a lot of positive stuff. On defense, is there any? I mean, is he still just kind of playing everywhere? Playing safety and nickel. He's playing safety and nickel. He's competing for the nickel spot. So he, he he's still competing for the nickel spot. So. Um, these two games will be enormous for him again to show you know how far along he's come. It's really about the details and the intricacies of playing the position that he's just got to catch up with. He's really a bright kid too, and he's you know there's no indication that he's not going to learn it. But it's it's just kind of a race to the opener. We talked about it a little bit the other night the play that Hunt made on the fumble. Yeah. How much does that weigh into rosters, effort, examples for the rest of the players? Well, I really I can't I can't even imagine the guy making a better play on the football field than what he did. He came out of nowhere, uh, blocking the line of scrimmage, full dead sprint, nothing in his mind but to get after that football, knocked it loose for us. And if you notice, he scrambled back up and covered up uh, Jackson Harris, who, who made the recovery, which is exactly what they're, they're trained to do. Uh, it was the, the, the intensity, the effort, uh, the, the perfection of really getting the job done. We were giving the ball back. to They are getting the ball back, and we took it right away. It's a huge play, huge play. And they had possession of it, and he took it away. So... Does it, does it enter in? Heck yeah. I mean, you, I can't ask for a guy to compete better than that, so it's awesome. How much do you use that as an example? Oh, yeah. It's already, yeah it'll, it'll be shown. I mean, it was, it's already been shown, and it'll be shown on our, you know, from now on. It's one of those plays. What do you take from what you thought that he's done so far? He's doing fine. He's, he's been great. Uh, that game didn't, you know, didn't show it, but he did He did well when he had his chances. He's had a lot of plays that he hasn't had much space, and so I'm I know how to look at that. You know, not evaluate. He's done great. He's uh, in great shape. He's working hard. His pass protection is is skyrocketed from where it was before. Um, awareness back there and getting out of the backfield, all that stuff is really good. So he's doing fine. To me, he's he's right in there, matched up, fighting for play snaps. And he's in. He's fighting with Chris every day. And and uh, I hope that, that that competition will continue. I don't know which way it turns out. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I love the way Chris plays, and I love the way Penny plays. And we'll just. We're very fortunate to have two guys that can really carry the load like that. Do you think you'll get more chances with the top offensive line? I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not evaluating him in that sense. I know, what he, I know what he can do. He said he's faster. Is he playing faster? Yes. Yeah, he is. He's stronger. Uh, he's leaner. Um, and he just looks quicker. And he's looked quick throughout. And so, uh, you know, that's just – just, it's uh, – um, Result of a really good offseason, really diligent work, and, and, and the power and strength work that he did really paid off. You talked a couple weeks about the edge rush group. Now that you've gotten to see more of them, what have you seen uh, the, the edge rushers, Mingo, edge rushers? Edge rushers, yeah. What have you um, seen out of that? Well, uh, I think Jake, uh, Jacob has been kind of the a little bit further ahead, you know, just because of his background with, with the position. Uh, but uh, Bark has done a really good job for us. He's, you know, he's become a rusher. He's, he's become a full-time rusher, and so um, both those guys are really fast. And they, and they, the thing that they have that makes them special is their effort. Their effort is fantastic. Uh, I, I think uh, Jake's a little bit farther ahead technique-wise, but um, Ming's got a little bit more reach and length and stuff like that. So both guys, uh, I think, are going to be a factor for us. We're counting on that. Just to ask you about Jamar Taylor and what he's brought to you guys, and it seems like he's had a, a nice week or two here. Yeah, he, he um, he's he's been given, you know, he's earned the chance to be the nickel, and so he's competing for that spot. Um, he'll he'll start at that spot this week, see how he does, and, and uh, he's in there battling. He does bring um, 
some experience to us that we you know we have a lot of young guys back there. So he brings play experience and, and uh, he's fat, really fast. You know, he's four three guy. He's really fast and it shows up. So uh, he's done a nice job so far. He's right in the middle of, of the competition. The, uh, the Smith touchdown was that just a communication break? Or what? <clears throat> yeah, we, we we screwed it up. He's made a mistake. Um, uh, Paxton's. We're, we're going to hold him out this week. Um, didn't quite make it back yet, and, and uh, you know, passing all of the protocol and all. And we're just going to take care of him. You know, I think it's a good idea. Gino needs to play a lot, and uh, so um, it'll work out. But really, this is because we, we want to take care of Paxton. He took a he took a nasty hit. His neck's still sore. You know, and, and uh, so that's so it. Gino's back. Gino's all back. Yes. Going back to DK, uh, how, how worried are you that he's not going to get uh, the opportunity to kind of develop and get used to the speed of the game? No, that's that's the biggest concern. He just doesn't get enough snaps that you know in preseason that he could have from. He's he's showed us that he's shown us that he can play and he can do the stuff that we need him to do. We don't, we don't have any question about that. But it's just the quality of reps and repetitions and stuff like that that, that we, we won't be able to benefit from that. A lot of them being on the men due to injury. You know, I haven't been thinking about it that way, but it's 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 you know it's frustrating we don't get CLJ. I mean that's that's the difference. I mean DK's done, DK has shown us what he can do, and uh, there's a ton of improvement that's still out there for him, and he could benefit from the work as we said. But um, LJ is just gonna we just have to wait it out. So in that regard, you know, LJ is the one that's frustrating to me because he hasn't really had a shot to get going. A lot of important updates in Pete Carroll's press conference today. He had he talked about DK Metcalf, LJ Collier, Geno Smith. We'll unpack it all next as we react to Pete Carroll with Jay Keeps, Stacy Rost. I'm Curtis Rogers, Seattle Sports Net on seven ten, ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Guys, my back is a little sore because I've been carrying this show all night and you just have the gall to attack me during a break. Curtis. Because you're disgusting. No, I'm Curtis. not. Curtis. 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 Honestly, we have to stop and talk about this because so, this is so... We got Wrong. A, we got a text coming into the Coors Light text line. Pretty innocuous. Yeah, from really. the 425, does it's, Jake like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Easy question. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But so, what you answer. don't know is it just sparked an entire war into this room. I then followed up that question. I said, does Jake like grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? And I thought he was playing a sick joke. And I obviously said no, because no one does that. Who does that? You put butter on the bread. Okay, we get it. And then but you then put peanut butter and jelly Curtis, on the bread. Then Curtis <laughs> responds. What are you talking about? Exactly. It's Thank you, thing. Ashley. No, Curtis responds it's and goes, what? And like looks at me as if I'm going to back him up right Google now. Google search that. And I'm looking at him going, what do you <laughs> We've mean? We've got like five-star ratings of over like 400 people. A grilled peanut butter. But you were wait, wait, so wait, wait, shocked wait, wait, wait. and disgusted tec- that Jake texter, didn't have Hold on, hold on. The texter that, asked, that answered that question. Ask that question. They said peanut butter peanut- and jelly with Fritos no! is the best. Now, now I have never gone that far. No. Four two five. Wait, you're but, getting dangerous. But four two five. Are you on board with grilled, grilled I mean, there, peanut if, butter and jelly? Yeah, five oh nine grilled PB and J is the jam. No, no yes, stop it! it get out of here. Yes, it is. I can see Keep it, like it coming in. Form, I, don't but, entertain this. No, no, this is offensive. <laughs> I can see like a toast from like you toast your bread and then you do that. I've done that since I was little. But, but like actually making the peanut butter and jelly and then putting it 
on the grill. That's what I'm stove, saying. That is which is how you have to do it, and the peanut butter is going to turn into gravy. Two five no three. It is way. a thing, and it's friggin' delicious. You guys should be ashamed of yourselves. <sighs> I'm ashamed of all of you. I'm my people coming in the for clutch butcher, for butchering three six zero grilled PB and J is the bomb. What yes. a PB and J wasn't enough for you. You had to like somehow make it worse. No I've not way. seen a single person text in saying that it is a bad thing. Like I've just never yeah. heard of it. Two oh eight team Curtis. Yeah, like it, it is coming in hot for your boy I'm right really now. Mad. I'm really Shout mad. out to wow. the, the entire Texas. These the food takes. Boise, come on. It's fine. Jake and I are on an island. That, yeah, these food takes With that Ashley. we're getting is. Grilled uh, peanut butter and banana is dope. Okay, okay peanut, I've heard of that. Different. I've heard of that. I've heard of Look that. At these. I'm okay oh, with that. I'm gosh. so glad the text line is there for me tonight. Uh, no, Curtis. No, it's literally, it's. I guarantee you it's just you texting under the table with, going, Curtis is right. sort of different. But then then we Googled grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and there was one that was a grilled cheese sandwich hybrid. So it was cheese, yeah, peanut butter, nah, and jelly. I'm not down with that. That's a little too much. It's all the same texture. 425 ever had it deep fried? I have not. That sounds like a whole, that sounds like just a what journey that I, I need to be on. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. I love it. Are we supposed wars. to be reacting to some Carol sound? I guess. I mean, it's Seattle Sports Wow, tonight. this is crazy. It, I mean, you guys, you guys keep coming in, uh, firing your texts in about whether this is okay or not. PB&J being grilled. Stacy and I are not okay with this. Curtis is all on board. And it's not, it looks like a lot of you guys are crazy and are on board with this. I, I've never had this before. Never even crossed From my the mind. 509 clarifying that this is Casey, not Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the 509. 509. Shout it out is to not Casey. Curtis. I've never met Casey, but you sound like a great person. He says, stay strong. I'm, I'm doing my best here. All right, let's get to Pete My Carroll. teammate's not backing me up, 509, but we're going to get through this. Uh, Pete Carroll, he talked to the media. You just heard it. Giving some updates on DK Metcalf, talking about why he's optimistic about his recovery. The docs really have a clear look at already at the MRI what it is, and they think it can. It, it's a it's a really quick recovery. Uh, likely that still all has to happen. Um, we're gonna. I think we're gonna keep him in town and get the work done right away, and and uh, and and you know be very optimistic about about the way he can get back. I'm glad that there's optimism surrounding DK Metcalf's recovery because this is a guy who throughout his career has dealt with injury after injury, just getting to the NFL. And, I mean, we were so close, so close to him making it through the entire preseason without, you know, bumps and bruises. And for a guy who has dealt with injuries throughout his career, I feel like any old injury could knock him off his course and really set him back for a longer time than, I guess, that injury would normally do it. And I think it's good that there's optimism right now with DK Metcalf's recovery. Without a doubt. And Stacey Ross reported this. Uh, our insider and and tweeted that out and and when I saw that I, I responded with a gif on Twitter uh, of a crying face. All of your reactions to DK Metcalf has has been a series of different dancing gifs. <laughs> well, it, well, first the crying one. There's there's the crying one because here's the thing: he was going through this entire offseason, one progressing, answering every question that you could ever want. Yeah. Um, and, and then he's also the most important thing has been injury free because. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest questions about DK Metcalf was his injury history in college. Um, and, and so although this a minor procedure, sometimes when you do a scope, uh, you, you don't always pick things up on the MRI that, that you see when you actually get in there. And luckily that DK Metcalf's uh, injury, his surgery went well. 
again, it was exactly what they thought. It was minor. It was just something that they needed to clean up to help relief uh, DK Metcalf's knee. Um, and so for me, that's all really good news, and it's just a matter of how quickly he can uh, get himself back from that. Geno Smith, not the same injury by any means, mm-hmm. but had a similar type of procedure done, and he's back within a week. So you're hoping that DK Metcalf can be somewhere around that time frame as well. That's well, the thing. I think it's a combination of people, the hype surrounding him and also people being worried about his injury history where people kind of heard this news and thought the end is near. It's happening now. But Pete Carroll hasn't ruled out a week one start. He was asked about it directly today and said, you know, he's still optimistic. They aren't doing a specific timeline. It's day by day. But he certainly, I mean, hasn't sounded concerned about it. It was something that he made it clear, like, you know, we saw a little something. We decided to do something about it. This isn't super uncommon with athletes. I mean, Chris Carson had a scope earlier this year. Right. It, it's true. It is very true. It's just a, it's just a matter of the magnitude of the injury and how long he's going to be out because right. that's going to affect uh, where DK Metcalf fits into this offense, the immediate impact that he can have, and the chemistry that him and Russell can build. And, and the frustrating thing about all of this is that DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson have not been on the field together at the same time. Mm. That's disappointing. Jake, earlier you brought up Geno Smith coming back to practice, and then we learned today the Paxton Lynch will be held out this week, not going to play on Saturday, and Geno Smith is going to get those backup reps. What does this mean for that backup quarterback competition? And, I mean, Paxton Lynch did not build on the week one performance that he had where a lot of people had already crowned him the backup quarterback. Is this race still up in the air right now? Yeah, I I told people, calm down, easy on the Paxton Lynch hype in terms of, you know, he's going to overtake this job. He's now in the lead. He put himself in a great position to take over that job. However, Geno was always in the lead because he put together a great offseason in terms of just being ahead of Paxton Lynch, being ahead of him in terms of the operation, uh, being sharper in practice, and also having the background and the history that that he has with in-game experience in in this league. So uh, Paxton was going to have to do a lot to overtake Geno, and now Geno has an opportunity of himself to – uh, trust me, he's going to play a lot of football. He's going to play the entire second half, basically, of this game. And he's going to have a real chance to solidify himself back into the for-sure backup role in all of this. So, uh, again, once it, it swung, the momentum swung in Paxton's direction uh, it, due to injury from Geno and vice versa. Paxton, unfortunately, getting a, a horrible injury to the head with a concussion. And now it's going to be Geno's opportunity to solidify his uh, backup position on this roster. Stacy, when you look at the backup quarterback race right now, is the person who's going to back up Russell Wilson, is he on the roster? It's a good question. That's a question Brady Henderson was asked earlier this year, and I reference Brady because I specifically remember not thinking about this answer until he said it, but they were asked uh, kind of all the beat writers for ESPN, you know, who's going to be the backup quarterback, and his answer was back in, I think, like May or something, someone who's not currently on the roster. And I do think that Geno Smith, you know, it's tough. Along with what Jake said, Geno Smith has has looked pretty good in camp. He's what you would want from a backup quarterback. And it sucks because not a lot of Seahawks fans can see that. I mean, if you're at training camp, you see it. But otherwise, you don't get a good look at him. And all you saw was week one. And then obviously he was out last week. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like it's a lot closer than it really is. Um, I think Paxton Lynch did a lot for himself. And I still think this battle is an open battle. Um, but I, I now tend to lean more toward if Geno Smith 
performs well in this game. I don't need I don't necessarily think he needs this like striking performance in game four. I think that that can help seal the deal for him. So I think I tend to go. It's either Geno Smith or someone not on the roster. But I I don't know. I think Geno Smith has done a lot for himself this offseason. I think game three of the preseason, that's where the majority of these guys resume is built for coming up on on the roster. You find out actually a lot about the roster and where the current depth chart is by Game 3. Because Mm -hmm. Game 3 is your dress rehearsal all across the league for your first and second teamers. Then your third team guys really don't get a whole lot of playing time in Game 3. So you're going to find out very quickly uh, where certain guys are at in the roster, um, where the coaches see them. doesn't mean that things can't change in Game 4 and guys play at a high level and earn themselves a roster spot. But in Game 3, you're going to see that initial uh, depth chart, so to speak, in terms of ones and twos. Um, so that'll be interesting, to, and and it doesn't come at a better time for Lano Hill, mm-hmm. C.J. Proceis, and J.D. McKissick all coming back from injury and getting a chance to play in this game. Because here's the thing, Lano Hill, the door is still wide open. There, he was, he is far behind in this race for that next safety position. But none of these safeties have really done anything to to close the door or make this very very clear that they're taking over this job. Marquise Blair flashed in game one. But he's had mental mistakes, uh, and and obviously having an back, right now. yeah injury right now with back spasms, so that doesn't help his case. And the rest of the guys, they haven't done anything flashy. So Lano Hill can come in really quickly and and start start making a name for himself, start etching a, a roster spot and and a starting lineup role. And J.D. McKissick and C.J. Proceis, they these are guys that need to be on the field, running backs that have unique ability. But yet, uh, C.J. Proceis never has been able to stay healthy. And J.D. McKissick, for him, this is a unique, dynamic player that just hasn't been able to show what he can do so far this preseason, and he needs to if he wants to make this roster. So C.J. Proceis, one of the names we mentioned there, in the in a battle for a roster spot, so what are his chances of making the roster? That's one of the four downs we answer next in four-down territory right here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, 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 We wrap up every first half of Seattle Sports tonight with some Four Down Territory. Last opportunity to get seven on the board before we head in halftime. Coming up to start the very next hour, does trading for a pass rusher get the Seahawks any closer to a Super Bowl? We answer that before we get into Four Number Down Number one. When LJ Collier comes back to the Seahawks roster, what are the realistic expectations for the first-round pick? To me, the realistic expectations for LJ Collier in this situation is one of those things where he's going to take some time. When he comes back from this injury as a rookie, he just has not had that many reps of going live, full contact, one-on-one drills, working in 9-on-7, working on 11-on-11 situations in full contact. Being out there in the preseason games, he just hasn't had that opportunity and experience. So I think for Seahawk fans, unfortunately, you should have low expectations of LJ Collier. Not that he can be a strong performer, but in terms of getting sacks and being a disruptor Mm -hmm. out there, I don't believe that that's going to happen for LJ Collier this season. I believe this is one where he's going to be trying to find his way through the beginning part of the year, and maybe you might see him start turning it on towards the end of the year because he's starting to figure things out, but it's going to take a long way to go for LJ Collier to really start making an impact in a big way. 
Well, and he's going to be starting the season a couple steps behind, like you said. I mean, uh, Dwayne Brown, the day of LJ Collier's injury when he was carted off, had a press conference with us and someone said, well, you're playing opposite him. What do you see? And he said, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot. There's a high ceiling, but he's raw. And I mean, I think that a player like him could have really used some time in the preseason to refine a lot of those skills and didn't. And not only was it just being out of the preseason and not getting that work, but now you have to bounce back from an injury. And I actually had, so if I had the update on DK Metcalf as kind of good news coming out of Pete Carroll's press conference, I almost had LJ Collier as bad news. Ultimately, Seahawks fans should be happy that it wasn't an Achilles injury, ACL, something that would have sidelined him for the year. The expectation is that he will be back this year and even that he could be back er very early in the season. Um, That being said, it's still concerning that Pete Carroll said he can't put weight, full weight on his ankle yet. Um, He is still, you know, not able to do physically the stuff that he needs to do to even try to like pass a physical and get ready and, and do full workouts and, you know, have a change in direction or anything. And I don't, I mean, Pete Carroll hasn't said uh, that he had any kind of surgery. um, And I'm I'm not saying he had either, but I think that it is still an injury where um, it's, I think, maybe more serious than we're giving him credit for. It's hard to come back from that. Number two Seahawks insider Stacey Ross, this one to you. CJ Proceis, still on the Seahawks roster. What are his chances of making the 53 man roster? I was actually, I was thinking of this question earlier. I'd like to see him make it. I still think his his ceiling's high, and I think that that's why this team has kept him around for so long, because he's dynamic when he's healthy. He's exactly what you would want from a running back in 2019, which is someone who can catch the ball, make plays through the air, and then someone who can pick up yards on the ground, obviously. You want that multifaceted guy. I just think that there are guys like Travis Homer who can come out and can help on special teams and, you know, at least with the exception of uh, game one, have been able to be healthy. And I think that right now there's just a few too many young guys who are cheap and available that are kind of catching up to them. I agree. Uh, the chances for CJ Procise, honestly, slim to none. That's the reality of this. And. As a coach, when you look at C.J. Procise, and, and this is the unique part about Pete Carroll and the upside that you just said, he's got so much talent that you want to try and keep him around and hoping that he can get on the field, but he just simply hasn't. In most situations, coaches see an injured guy on the sideline and they say, I can't count on you. And I think in this case, he's kind of worn out his welcome in that, in that, uh, in that standpoint. And also, you got to look at J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick brings the, the same type of uniqueness in terms of the pass catching ability that this Seahawk team is looking for. He doesn't have the same ability to run between the tackles, but JD McKissick is more durable, can play on special teams, can can bring up that that unique dynamic change from Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, and so forth. And that's why I, I think it's going to be really hard for CJ Procise to make this roster. Number three. Third down. AP rankings in college football are out for week one, which is this Saturday. I think just two games on the schedule, Miami and Florida, and then your boys Arizona Wildcats taking on the Hawaii Warriors. Five Pac-12 teams. Bear down, everybody. Uh, Five Pac-12 teams ranked in the initial AP Top 25. Oregon at 11, UW at 13, Utah 14, Wazoo at 23, and Stanford at 25. Who is – do you agree with the placement of the Pac-12 schools? Uh, Honestly, I do not, actually. I believe that Utah is ahead of Washington and Oregon. 
I believe that Utah, when they came out of the Pac-12 uh, media days, uh, Utah was was voted as the number one team, the most likely team to win the conference this year, and I think that's accurate. The way this this group plays defense and the talent that they have on offense makes them the prime candidate to win this conference. Uh, the the question is how consistent can this offense ultimately be? But you got a ton of talent in Oregon. You got a you got a great program that has a ton of talent in Washington. It really comes down to these two things with Oregon and Washington. Oregon, are you for real or not? Are is Mario Cristobal a actual coach that can coach this team into national prominence, or is it just a recruiting machine? Because right now they are dominating recruiting, and, they, and they've got something special going on in that area. For Washington, it comes down to their offense. They have one of the best defenses in the entire country, hands down. But can this offense establish an identity and a system? And if those two programs can't do those things, Utah is going to take the Pac-12. Number four. Last chance here to put seven on the board before we head into the break. Stacy, your Pac-12 commissioner for 24 hours. What's the very first thing you fix? Ooh, I mean, there's a lot. The, there's a from. lot. I think the biggest thing would be like your your media plan, your approach. I think that you just bite the bullet, and instead of trying to get all of your profits from your own services and your own networks, I think you just kind of take the approach of like. You know, an SEC network, and say, "Hey guys." You you kind of crawl back. You kind of crawl TV back and, and say, say like, "Hey, hey sorry yeah. for sorry for what I said." I Listen, didn't mean that. Uh, we would love for our stuff <laughs> to be available to people with multiple cable subscriptions. Um, That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be my go-to because I think like my parents can't watch you know UW games, which is Jeez. just crazy to me. They live like 20 minutes from the school. People in yeah. their own city should be able to watch their team. That's what I'm yes. saying. And it, it does mean taking, like I it's get crazy. the concept that Larry Scott has. I get it. But like the execution of that concept is horrible though. Like that's the thing is like it, you understand it and it was a pioneering move at the beginning. Yeah. But they were one or two years ahead of what they, what everybody else was doing. Unfortunately, the, the people behind them just had better deals, had better situations moving forward. But for me, one of the biggest things that I would do, uh, Stacy, I think you're right. That would probably be the number one thing that should be done. I think the other thing that needs to be done right away is to change the Pac-12 championship game away from Santa Clara and make it to the number one team in the in the Pac-12 Put it at their home. Oh, like they get a host it. That's how it was in its infancy. Yeah. Uh, it was at Autzen Stadium, I think, the very first year of it. I think it was at Sun Devil Stadium the second year. That's how it should be. If you, uh, if you want to have a great presence, if you want to have a rowdy crowd and all that, you have to do that. You, you're... you're your conference isn't isn't as passionate as the SEC. It isn't as passionate as the ACC yeah. Big 12. It's just the reality of it. And to be fair, there is like a crazy home field advantage when you do it that way. But at the same time, it allows fans to see the, the full Pac-12. You know what I mean? Like imagine a conference game being played at different schools every couple seasons. Right. But if you want to talk about bias, you want to talk about East Coast bias. If it's someone from the East Coast is staying up and, hey, I'm going to stay up and I'm going to watch this Pac-12 championship game. And they watched what they saw last year, Washington versus Utah. Not only in Santa how, Clara, yeah, in Santa Clara, an abysmal game overall, but also that there was no one in the stands. Well, because nobody. Exactly. So how am I supposed to take this conference seriously when that's the product that you're putting on TV? Come on.
It's going to Vegas, though, in 2020. That's not what we asked for. It's not. But <laughs> we're, it is, we're the commissioners here, Curtis. You yeah. asked uh, us. Excuse it's true. me, this and is a hypothetical also, situation. Also, only eat peanut butter and jelly. Classic, nah, not grilled. Nah, the Coors Light text line vehemently disagreeing with my cohort. It still makes me upset that Wednesday. we are continuing to get texts not about Pete Carroll, not about the no, Seahawks. Like the last 20 have strictly all Strictly PB&J yeah, related. Loving it. 509 says, one would think the future quarterback of the Dragons would be in the know on grilled peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> They're but talking to me. Come on, Stacy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, does trading for a pass rusher get the Seahawks any closer to a Super Bowl run? We answer that question next on Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.